Good day again, and we now turn to chapter 5 of Ephesians as we continue our series entitled, New Humanity, New Life, New Guidelines, New Relationships. Today's title of our message is, Walk in the Light, and we'll be looking at chapter 5, verses 3 to 14. I invite you to open your Bibles with me and read along. Let's begin. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk and coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. This is quite a long passage, but here is the summary of our text. As God's new humanity, let us imitate Him by walking in the light, as we put off sexual sins, greed, and sinful speech. And as God's beloved children, let us remember our identity in Christ and put on purity, edifying words, and thankfulness. Let's read it again. As God's new humanity, let us imitate Him by walking in the light as we put off sexual sins, greed, and sinful speech. And as God's beloved children, let us remember our identity in Christ and put on purity, edifying words, and thankfulness. Before we continue, let's again review what we've learned so far. The first three chapters of Ephesians tell us about the Christian's wealth, who we are, and all the blessings we have in Christ. While chapters 4 to 6 talk about the Christian's walk, what we are to do with who we are and what we have in Christ. And how are Christians supposed to walk? Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. As God's new humanity, we are to persevere in our unity in Christ, and we are to walk differently from the unbelievers and the ungodly. How? Paul gave us the principle of putting off our old self, renewing our minds, and putting on our new self. Now here in chapter 5, Paul gives us another essential motivation for why we should walk differently. Chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God, us beloved children. Paul gives this command to the efficient believers and to us. Imitate God, reflect His character, and walk in His ways. Why? Because we are God's beloved children. We are already part of God's family. And we'll discuss more of this later. Now here's the question for us. How are we to imitate God? How are we to imitate Christ? Here in chapter 5, Paul shows us three ways. And this is the outline of Ephesians. Imitate God by walking in love by walking in the light and walking in wisdom, and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, we will focus on Ephesians 5, verse 3 to 14, walk in the light. And the main verse of our passage is in verse 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The word light appears five times in this whole text, in verses 8, 9, and 13. Now, the question is, how do we walk as children of light? The first, to walk in the light is we are to put off our sin. We are to put off particularly sexual sins and greed. Let's go back to verse 3. But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Notice the three sins highlighted here, immorality, impurity, and greed. Sounds familiar, right? Because Paul already mentioned impurity and greed in Ephesians 4.19 as we studied 
last time. Now, let us look at each one. The first is immorality. Immorality is the Greek word pornea, in which we get the term pornography. Pornea is a broad term that covers any kind of sexual sin. It can refer to incest, promiscuity, prostitution, premarital sex, or adultery, or even the use of pornography and other sexual immorality. On the other hand, impurity is a word that's used to refer to any behavior that is considered dirty or unclean. This word includes sexual impurity, but it's not limited to it. How about greed? Greed refers to any kind of desire to have more and more and more. A greedy person is a selfish person who does not consider others. He could be someone who wants more money, more sex, and more power. Or she could be someone who wants more comfort, more recognition, more security, and many other things. Now notice that verse 3 starts with the word but. But immorality and impurity or greed must not be even named among you. It means that Paul is contrasting this verse with the previous one, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Did you see that? Paul said that Christ modeled to us sacrificial love that is self-giving and self-emptying. Thus, we should imitate him by no longer walking in immorality, impurity, and greed. Because these sins are expressions of self-love, self-worship, and self-gratification, which is the exact opposite of what Christ did for us. In other words, walking in immorality, impurity, and greed is contrary to what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus. No wonder Paul said that these sins must not even be named among you in the church as is proper among the saints. Now, it doesn't mean that we should not mention about immorality or greed. Paul is saying that this sin should not be happening within the body of Christ, similar to what Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? You see, Paul was concerned that some believers in Corinth were involved with sexual immorality. And true enough, and Paul was telling the same to the Ephesians that the same should not happen in their congregation. So here is the point, and this is what Paul is saying to the Ephesian church. You are now children of God. Therefore, there should not be any one of you engaged in pornography, premarital sex, adultery, incest, homosexual relationships, prostitution, and greediness, for these things are improper for you who are God's saints. Now, the question is, who are the saints? Basically, the saints are the holy ones or those whom God has set apart. Technically, the word saint pertains to all believers, including us. And as followers of Christ, God has set us apart for himself for a special purpose, and that is to honor God, to walk like Christ, and to love others. Now, to better appreciate what Paul commanded the Ephesians, let's look at their historical background. At that time, sexual immorality was prevalent and readily accepted. For example, Emperor Nero, who ruled at that time during the Roman Empire, was openly homosexual and a sexual pervert. He committed rape incest, and engage in orgies. Even excavations in the city of Pompeii showed X-rated wall paintings that showed how Greeks and Romans saw no need for sexual restraint. As for the mystery religions, they practiced ritualistic prostitution as a central part of their worship experience. And those who considered themselves enlightened believed that they can do whatever they want with their bodies, and they look down on the people who practice moral restraint and see them as still living in the dark. But the Apostle Paul tells us otherwise. The truth is actually the opposite. In reality, those in the dark are the immoral, the impure, and the greedy. But those who walk in God's ways are genuinely enlightened and are the true children of light. Next, after mentioning sexual sins and greed, the Apostle Paul shows us another way to walk in the light. How? By putting off sinful speech. Sinful speech. Verse 4, And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting. This verse expands what Paul said earlier in chapter 4, verse 29. 
Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification or encouragement and building up of others according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Paul says that as Christians, we are not to engage in any sexual sins. Also, we should not be guilty of the sins of the tongue. Now think about it. Why is watching our tongue important? You see, the condition of our tongue tells a lot about the status of our physical health. And that is why doctors would ask us to stick out our tongues during checkups. In the same way, the words that we speak can tell a lot about our spiritual health and it can give us signs of what is going on really inside our hearts. Now notice the three sins of speech that were mentioned here. Filthiness, silly talk, and coarse jesting. In Greek, the word filthiness means obscene language or dirty and shameful talk. Next, silly talk is the Greek word morologia. It's a combination of two words, moron plus logos, which means foolish words or stupid speech. It can refer to cursing words, hurtful words that destroy rather than build up. And the third sin is coarse jesting, which means vulgar speech or telling green jokes and sexual humor. Now combining these three words, here is what Paul is saying. As Christians, don't speak shameful words. In your social media, don't post hurtful messages that destroys others. Also, don't tell green jokes and sexual humor. Why? Because as Paul says, they are not fitting and these things are not appropriate for Christians. So the next time you want to say something, either you're in a serious conversation or a casual talk, first ask yourself this question. As a follower of Christ, Will the words that I'm about to say be fitting and proper? Will my speech be pure and edifying? Or will it be shameful and hurtful? So may God help us. Next, how else do we walk as children of light? To walk in the light, we are to renew our minds. Renew our mind. And first, by remembering our identity in Christ. As mentioned earlier, Paul gives us this essential motivation for why we should walk differently. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And this is connected to verse 7 and 8. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Paul commands us to imitate God. This command sounds simple, but it's definitely challenging, if not impossible. Why? Because we live in a world that says imitate the culture and follow the world's lifestyle. And as we struggle between these two choices, of either following God or following this world, there will be moments that we will get tired and experience discouragement. So here in chapter 5 verse 1, Paul gives us this command. He also gave us the primary motivation to obey God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Notice Paul did not say, imitate God and obey Him first so that you could be God's children. It's actually the opposite. Paul says that since we are already children of God, we are to imitate Him as our Heavenly Father. So friends, are you facing difficulties in obeying the Lord? Are you losing heart and being shaken in your faith because of the hardship that you encounter? Don't give up. Instead, remember that you are God's beloved. You are His precious Son. You are his treasured daughter, and we are God's beloved children. Now think about how God proved his love to us. He gave us the greatest gift that he could give, and that is why we'll be celebrating Christmas soon. You see, while we were God's enemies, Christ sacrificed his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. While we were disobedient children, God made a way to save us, to adopt us into his family, and to secure our eternal inheritance. And our Lord Jesus Christ affirmed this truth. That he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. We now have Christ and we now have his light in our lives. So brothers and sisters, let us imitate God because we are his beloved children. Let us strive to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. Next, to walk in the light, we are to renew our minds by reminding ourselves of our purpose. Verses 9 to 10. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Brothers and sisters, 
please remember this. As a new humanity in Christ, God calls us to walk in the light ultimately for God's glory. We please God when we bear fruit of goodness, righteousness, and truth in our thoughts, emotions, words, and actions. And to further illustrate, when we walk in the light, we reflect God. But when we live in darkness, we eclipse Him. So friends, think about your life. In the way you think, in the way you feel, speak, and behave, do you eclipse God or do you reflect Him? Look again at verse 10 and notice what Paul says, trying to learn and trying to find out what pleases the Lord. There is this sense of being intentional about discerning what would please God and it's being purposeful to obey what brings Him delight. And that is the fundamental difference between a believer and an unbeliever. You see, you can be an unbeliever and still avoid all these sins, but your motive for doing these things can have absolutely nothing to do with God. For example, you don't commit sexual sins just because you're afraid of your spouse or you're scared of getting infected with a sexually transmitted disease. You may not speak cursing words because you're afraid of your parents or perhaps you don't want to offend others. Nonetheless, your motives of avoiding these sins are still self-focused and God is not included yet in the picture. In contrast, we believers ought to live for this one reason, and that is to please the Lord, who loved us and who gave himself for us, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Next, to walk in the light, we are to renew our minds by recognizing that sin is shameful. Verse 11 to 12. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. As believers, we have to think biblically about sin. Sin is not something to be proud of because it's disgraceful. Walking in darkness of sin is not honorable nor praiseworthy. Therefore, let us not participate in them. Instead, we are to expose the deeds of darkness and bring them to light. Brothers and sisters, is there a sin in your life that you are hiding? If there is, I urge you to not keep it as a secret. The first reason is it's because God knows and sees everything. Another reason is that shame grows in the dark and you won't find healing when you stay in the dark because true healing happens in the light. And that is according to Proverbs and James. Proverbs 28.13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. In James 5.16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You see, when we confess our sins to God, we receive mercy and forgiveness. But when we confess our sins to each other, we receive healing and reconciliation. So may God help us. Next, Realize that sin is destructive. Sin is destructive. You see, the sins of immorality and greed destroys you and your relationship with others. Because of this, spouses are betrayed, children are neglected, homes are destroyed, friends are alienated. But not only that, it also destroys your relationship with God and your eternal future. Ephesians 5.5 For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Paul gives this first warning. Those who commit sexual sins and the greedy and covetous will not enter the kingdom of God. And Paul reinforced this warning by reminding them, you know this truth with certainty and you know that this is sure. Now, is Paul saying that we need to put off this sin so that we can inherit the kingdom of God? Or to say it another way, will Christians who engage in immorality and covetousness lose their salvation? The answer is no, but let me explain. Listen carefully. Paul, Paul is saying this. If you are living in sexual sin and greed, perhaps it's because you don't have a part yet in God's kingdom. In other words, you are not yet saved even though you claim you are a Christian. You don't have an eternal inheritance because you are not yet a child of God. So therefore, there is no salvation to lose in the first place. And as Matthew 7 tells us, So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, or can a bad tree produce good fruit? So then you will know them by their fruits. More seriously, Paul warns his readers of the fate that awaits those who walk in greed and immorality. Verse 6, 
Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of this, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Paul reminded his readers that God, through his holy wrath, will deal with the sin in the final judgment. And who will experience God's wrath? The sons of disobedience. The first we heard about these sons of disobedience is in chapter 2. This group refers to those who are ungodly. And Paul is making a contrast between being beloved children of God or being sons of disobedience. Again, the question for all of us is, are we part of being God's children or are we part of the group of the sons or the children of disobedience? May God help us. Notice Paul says, As children of God, walk in the light. Don't act like the children of wrath who lives in darkness. And he adds, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Don't believe empty words that excuse the sins of immorality and greed and minimize their consequences. And if you are living habitually in sin like the sons of disobedience, it's most likely because you are also one of them. Now thirdly, walk in the light by putting on the new self. Putting on the new self. First, we are to put on purity. You see, the world has not really changed since Paul's day. Yes, technology-wise, we've come a long way. But as we can see, the moral problems they were facing back then is the same problems that we face today. And they are not much different. Because human nature hasn't changed. As it was during the time of Paul, so it is during our time. Sex outside of marriage is considered normal. Sexual immorality is being celebrated and embraced. But you know what else is normal regarding sexual sin? It's the pain, the regret, the guilt, and the shame. So brothers and sisters, let's put on sexual purity. To do that, may I give these suggestions. First, allow me to address the ladies. Dear sisters in Christ, I encourage you to dress modestly and not seductively. You see, a woman can be modest and remain attractive. Let me repeat that. A woman can be modest and remain attractive. On behalf of most men, I'd like to make this confession that we are easily tempted when we look at women, especially when they're dressed seductively. I'm not saying this as an excuse. I know we also have the responsibility to guard our eyes, our hearts, and how we use our imagination. However, as your brothers in the Lord, we need your help as well. And we'd like to appeal to you as sisters in Christ to help us stay pure by not causing us to stumble in sin through the way you dress. So thank you for your consideration. Now let me share with you these words from the Apostle Peter. In his context, Peter addresses the wives, but this principle also applies to all women in general. 1 Peter chapter 3, 3-5 to Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry, fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is a great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Next, allow me to address the singles, especially those of you in relationships. Do your best to stay away from intimate situations. If you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend, talk in the living room or any public space and not in the bedroom. Don't put yourself in situations where you can be easily tempted. Don't stay inside a car for an extended period because it's also dangerous and tempting. Commit yourself to sexual purity. And for everyone, be careful. Be careful what you watch. Be careful what you read, what you listen to, and what you fantasize about. Make sure we don't stimulate something in us that is not holy and will not please God. Let us strive to do what the Apostle Paul says. And we are taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every day, let's do this. Capture every thought, every emotions, every desire, every choice, and make it obedient to Christ. But you see, fighting this battle against sexual immorality won't be easy. As Christian apologist Josh McDowell says, We are facing a pornography pandemic. We are facing a pornography pandemic. And today, more than ever, we need God's help. We need the help of our parents and pastors. We need the help of our counselors and Christian organizations and the whole body of Christ to fight this battle. And so let us do our best to work together in the power of God. Now, for those of you who are struggling with pornography or who know someone who is, one helpful app is Covenant Eyes. It's a program that runs on your computer and mobile devices that monitors your internet activity. It also sends accountability reports to the people you choose. 
So you may want to explore this option. Another link is Parents Aware. It provides parents with the best info on how to talk to their kids and teens about pornography and healthy sexuality. And I'm glad in our church, in our kids' ministry, we are already doing this. So I'd like to appreciate our leaders, our volunteers, our teachers, and our parents. Thank you for working together to make sure that our kids grow knowing and understanding the biblical standards on how to view sexuality in a healthy way and in a God-glorifying way. So thank you for your effort. May God bless the work of your hands. Next, walk in the light by putting on edifying and gracious words. Edifying and gracious words. Ephesians 4.29 Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification or what is helpful for building others up, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace and be beneficial to those who hear. Colossians 4.6 Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, that is to speak words that are wise, attractive, and winsome, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. In 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, in conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. The last, walk in the light by putting on thankfulness. Thankfulness. Ephesians 5.3-4, But immorality and impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks, giving of thanks. Now you may find it is strange to replace sexual immorality with thanksgiving, but you see sexual sins are rooted in the soil of ingratitude. Sexual sins begin in our hearts when we're ungrateful for what we already have and covetous of something we don't have. For example, you want to experience intimate connection, but you're still single, so you resort to pornography because you're no longer grateful to God for the season you are in. Another example, why does a husband commit adultery? One possible reason is that he has forgotten to be thankful for his wife, children, and family that God has already given him. How about in the area of greed? Think about it. A greedy person grumbles in his heart and says, God, you have not given me enough and you've withheld from me what I deserve. But the opposite is true about a thankful person. A person who is grateful overflows with gratitude in his heart and says, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your goodness. You've given my family and me our daily bread. Your provision is enough. You've given me more than I deserve. So I praise you. As mentioned earlier in chapter 5, verses 2 to 3, Christ's love is self-sacrificing, self-emptying, and self-giving. But greed is the opposite of it because it is self-worshipping, self-preserving, and self-gratifying. And at its core, greed says, I don't care if I use you as long as I get what I want. I don't mind if I hurt you as long as I fulfill my desires. And it doesn't matter if I put others at risk as long as I gain what I crave. So friends, reflect on your life. Are you greedy or are you grateful? What do your actions and attitudes reveal about your relationship with God and with others? May God help us. I remember a friend who is a business owner. Recently, he told me about a bid that their company won initially, but then they were disqualified later on due to some minor technicalities. He knows that the deal could have been a significant source of income for their business for 2022. But instead of worrying, he trusted God and said, We did our best, so let God's will be done. God is the source and He will provide the resource. Brothers and sisters, may this be the kind of trust and attitude that we will have. Let us put off greed and put on thankfulness. It's Colossians 3.17 Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. You see, giving thanks focuses our attention to God in His goodness and His grace rather than focusing on our desires. We can be thankful and avoid many sins when we believe that God is good and that He will not withhold anything that is good from us. So let us trust that every circumstance of our life is for our good and for His glory. Also, giving thanks reflect an attitude of contentment in God's provision. Despite our challenges, we need not worry because God will provide us with our daily bread. And amidst our challenges, His sufficient grace will sustain us. 
So as the year 2021 comes to a close, I invite you to take the time to reflect on this past year. Some of the things that you could thank God for. Develop a culture of thankfulness to God in your home by asking your spouse and kids to do the same and share your thanksgiving. And here are some suggested questions to start with. Did you experience healing from sickness? Did you learn a new skill? Did you accomplish a specific goal? Did you have a special prayer answered? Did you have a relationship restored? Did you endure through a trial? Were you able to share the gospel? Thank God for these things. And as you conclude your family Thanksgiving, you may also reflect on this song by Don Owen, entitled, For All You've Done. This is a very beautiful song. It says, For all you've done, for all you're going to do, we give you thanks and lift our praise to you. We give thanks, we give praise, for we know that all things work together for our good. We give thanks, we give praise, for by faith we know your grace, see us through. Dear Church, may this be our song. May this be our prayer of thanks to God. And in closing, let us remember our lesson for today. As God's new humanity, let us imitate Him by walking in the light as we put off sexual sins, greed, and sinful speech. And as God's beloved children, let us remember our identity in Christ and put on purity, edifying words, and thankfulness. I know we've covered a lot through this time and I appreciate you for staying until the end. At this point, let me give you this assignment. Take time to reflect and apply what you've learned this week. Please answer these questions and share them with your family, your accountability partner, or your discipleship group. Let me give you these questions for reflection. First, what do you need to put off? Is it sexual sin? Is it greed? Or sinful speech? Next, what will you do regularly to keep renewing your mind? Is it remembering your identity in Christ? Reminding yourself of the purpose to honor God? Is it recognizing sin as shameful or realizing it as destructive and thus dealing with it seriously? Next, what do you need to put on? Is it sexual purity in your head, heart, hands, and habits? Is it edifying words and gracious speech that builds up? Or is it gratitude and thankfulness? Now, to whom do you need to confess your specific sin? Or who is a person whom you can ask for support and encouragement as you strive to walk in the light? Also, who is someone that you would like to help encourage to walk in the light and give specific steps on how you will help them? And finally, what are the things that you could thank God for for this year, 2021? As God's new humanity, let us imitate Him by walking in the light as we put off sexual sins, greed, and sinful speech. And as God's beloved children, let us remember our identity in Christ and put on purity, edifying words, and thankfulness. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your message today to the Apostle Paul. Thank you so much through your words, through the Holy Spirit, that you've allowed us to learn from you and what you desire for us. Lord, there are many times that in the midst of our battle against temptation, as we face our trials, we forget who we are. Thank you for reminding us that we are your beloved children. Thank you, Lord God, that we are now children of light and no longer children of wrath and no longer children of disobedience. Father, help us to imitate you, to honor you in everything, to give you glory, to love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love others as Christ loved. Forgive us, Lord, for many times that we have failed you, we have fallen into temptation, that we have taken for granted the grace that you've given us, that we have lived in sin, indulged in pleasure, and embraced worldliness. Forgive us, O God. Help us to come back to you. And as we follow you, enable us, O God, to walk in the light, empower us with your spirit, and send people along our way to encourage us and to build us up. And as we go about our daily lives help us to put on our new self help us to renew our mind enable us to pursue you to pursue christ likeness and may we be salt and light in the places where you have um, placed us oh god 
We pray for those among us who are sick. Grant us healing. Give us wholeness. We pray for those who are wearied and tired. Give us strength and encouragement. For those of us, Lord, who are struggling financially, provide for our needs. Give us our daily bread. Bless us, O oh God, so that we can be a blessing to others. And as we come to a close, help us, Lord, remind us of the things that you've given us. Give us a grateful heart. Help us to overcome greed, but rather help us to live a life of thanksgiving, of gratitude that honors and glorifies your name each day. Thank you, Father. We commit to you this day. We commit to you our time. Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings that you have given us to us and our family, to our church, to our ministry. May you alone be honored and glorified in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for today. All these things you pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.